Never doubt the meaning of Lent. It happened a long time ago, but it happened. Jesus walked this earth. He practiced a ministry of radical inclusivity, drawing to himself all the despised and rejected members of society. He lived what he taught, a life of justice and love, of profound compassion for all people. He lived a life acceptable to God. His death terrifies us. It reveals how committed the world is to its own way and the price the world exacts from those whose commitment is to God. We have gathered here to remember, to hear, to learn, to grow. May our lives be changed and the world transformed by the coming resurrection of God's healing, redeeming light. Now we have reached the most solemn moment on our journey through the Stations of the Cross. The candles are extinguished. Jesus has reached Calvary. He is being crucified. The seventh station, Jesus is nailed to the cross. We adore you, O Christ, and we praise you, because by your holy cross you have redeemed the world. Our families are the body of Christ. We are his hands and his heart, his feet and his mind in the world today. We all need to become more aware in the understanding of our minds and in the feelings in our hearts that when we harm each other, we too are harming Jesus. When we speak with sarcasm or ignore the pain of someone who is suffering, we are also mocking Jesus. And ignore him, too. We are all the body of Christ, which means that when we suffer, Jesus suffers, too. When we worship together at church, we are growing together to become like Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We do not want to hurt you in our home, school, or church by hurting each other. Teach us how to love and care for each other. Let us pray.
Jesus, you were nailed to the cross for our sins. You suffer because of the bad choices we make and the ugly words we say. You were abandoned because we turned away from somebody who needed us. We are sorry for hurting your body, the body of Christ on earth. Isaiah 53, 1-9 Who has believed what we have heard? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by others a man of suffering and acquainted with infirmity. And as one from whom others hid their faces, he was despised and we held him of no account. Surely he has borne our infirmities and carried our diseases. 
Yet we accounted him stricken, struck down by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that made us whole. And by his bruises we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have all turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent. So he did not open his mouth. By a perversion of justice, he was taken away. Who could have imagined his future? For he was cut off from the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. They made his grave with the wicked and his tomb with the rich. Though he had done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth. Passion story according to John. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. And the soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they dressed him in a purple robe. They kept coming up to him and saying, 
Hail, King of the Jews! And striking him on the face. Pilate went out again and said to them, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no case against him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Here is the man. When the chief priests and police saw him, they shouted, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him. I find no case against him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law he ought to die, because he said he claimed to be the Son of God. Now when Pilate heard this, he was more afraid than ever. He entered his headquarters again and asked Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Pilate therefore said to him, Do you refuse to speak to me? Do you not know that I have the power to release you and the power to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no power over me unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to release him, but the crowd cried out, If you release this man, you are no friend of the emperor. Everyone who claims to be a king sets himself against the emperor. When Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus outside and sat at the judge's bench at a place called the Stone Pavement, or in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation for the Passover, and it was about noon. He said to the crowd, Here is your king. They cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! Pilate asked them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but the emperor. Then Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified.
What must it have been like to be the mother of a man of suffering, one acquainted with infirmity? Isaiah tells us he was despised, rejected, stricken, afflicted, wounded, and crushed. And then, that horrible day, to watch the emperor's henchmen flog him, the soldiers mock him, and the chorus of the crowd shout, crucify him. How must her mother's heart have been ripped open? This is her baby, her special son, her precious child. Now he's a man unjustly accused, unjustly judged, unjustly handed over to be crucified. Shall I crucify your king, Pilate asks. Oh, how loudly must Mary have wanted to scream, no. Can we imagine how her helplessness to do anything to stop this horrific execution must have left her undone. What is our response to the question, shall I crucify your king? And carrying the cross 
by himself. He went out to what is called the place of the skull, which in Hebrew is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on either side with Jesus between them. Pilate also had an inscription written and put on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription because the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And it was written in Hebrew, in Latin, and in Greek. Then the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews. But this man said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided them into four parts, one for each soldier. They also took his tunic, but now the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from the top. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see who gets it. This was to fulfill what the scripture says. They divided my clothing among themselves, and for my clothing they cast lots. And that is what the soldiers did. Meanwhile, standing near the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing beside her, He said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. Then he said to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home.
Why? Why? Substitutionary atonement? Do we believe that the loving creator of this cosmos must sacrifice a person so that we can be forgiven? Christus Victor, that Jesus is conquering sin, death, and everything that is evil. Not today. There are no angels in the sky, no wise men. There's no church, there's no theology. No epistles from Paul. No good news. No gospel. Only disciples fleeing. Hiding in despair. Believing all is lost. And on the cross, Jesus is naked and dying. Behold the man.
After this, when Jesus knew that all was finished, he said, in order to fulfill Scripture, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there. So they put a sponge full of wine on a branch of hyssop and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the wine, he said, It is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit.
It is finished. The last words Mary heard her son say. It's over. This miracle, this divine child she bore, the Messiah, prophet, teacher, and revolutionary he became, gone, finished. How can this be? How is this gory, ugly, public spectacle the end? The Roman soldiers taking his clothes. There's nothing of his to hold, to smell, to remember him by. It's gone. Over. Finished. He's thirsty. His body is wasting away. Of all the shared meals and celebratory banquets with the best wine saved for last. No. His last drink is a bitter remedy, a sour sponge of nothing. Mary's own stomach is filled with the nausea of grief. She's bereft. It is finished. Can we ever wrap our minds around how final, how tragic, how hopeless this must have felt? Can we feel this now? It is finished. The finality of death reverberates in our bones. How can this be the end? Will we ever be okay?
us pray. Too often we leave you on the cross, O oh Jesus. We have heard you teach and felt your healing touch. But somehow we prefer you hanging silent. Open our hearts to reach out wherever people suffer that we may minister to you. You faced the forces of violence with peace and love and conquered them by compassion. Open our hearts to feel the love of God who desires peace above blood. Forgive us our ability to be bystanders when Christ needs us to act in love. Too often, we leave you on the cross. Oh, Jesus, forgive us still. Amen. Amen.